You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming with Pastor Keith Miller. Our scripture today is Daniel 3, verses 1 through 7. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the flute, Oops, the horn, the flute, the zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music. All the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. You may be seated. Good morning. So I'm excited about this week. This is Holy Week. Uh, when we celebrate, remember, honor everything that uh, Jesus de- did leading up to the cross last year, this time we were all shut down. And, uh, and so, I, you know, I've only done, since I arrived, I only uh, preached to, with you all together one Easter service. And uh, our first Good Friday service, which was last year, was me talking to you through a camera. So, so I'm excited about this Friday. It, it, again, it's at 6 p.m. We're going to celebrate communion together on Friday as we, as we celebrate Good Friday. And then, obviously, uh, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. We will fill this auditorium up with more chairs and uh, look forward to, to celebrating the resurrection, which is the greatest event ever to happen in human history. And so can't wait to do that with you. Uh, we're going to continue uh, in Daniel, actually. Uh, so Good Friday, I'm going to look at something Jesus said, where he actually quoted Daniel chapter 7, as, we ref- as I reflect upon uh, Jesus' crucifixion. And on Easter Sunday, we're going to look at Daniel chapter 7. It's a resurrection passage. It's Jesus coming back to judge, judge the nations. I can't wait to do that with you. But today, we're doing Daniel chapter 3, like the whole chapter and uh, I, I was able to get through it, <laughs> the, the first service, hopefully can do it again, uh, this service. There is so much material here, and uh, we, have, we don't have the time to read through all of chapter 3. The first seven verses just set up everything for us. Uh, the irony, and I'll, sum, I'll summarize chapter 3 in a second, but the irony of the third chapter in Daniel is Daniel chapter 2 came before it, Right? Nebuchadnezzar, if, you, if, if you're new here and you're just joining us, uh, we've been going through Daniel. 
And in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had this dream, the king of Babylon had this dream, and in the dream was this statue, and there were four uh, empires or kingdoms represented in this, in this dream. The, the top was a head of gold, which represented who? Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, right? And then you get to, and, and so Daniel, God you know, miraculously worked through Daniel. Daniel interpreted the dream without even hearing about the dream, interpreted it. And at the end of the dream, uh, the point of the dream was not the empires that were coming. The point of the dream is there's a kingdom coming that will crush all other kingdoms. It will destroy all other kingdoms. That kingdom is Jesus' kingdom that's coming. Then you get to Daniel chapter 3, and Nebuchadnezzar just, I don't know, the guy is either schizophrenic or something. You, you think he'd get it. He decided, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll erect a giant statue, kind of like the one I had a dream about, but only this time we'll make it all gold, which represented what? Babylon. And there's going to be no rock that's going to destroy it. This will be an eternal kingdom, and I am the one who will rule the nations. I think that was the point going, going on behind the scenes. I think that was uh, Nebuchadnezzar's uh, you know, motivation. So I want to just summarize chapter 3 real quick. One, the, the first, there's a person that's missing in chapter 3. Anybody want to take a guess at it? Daniel, right? Uh, why? My guess is that Nebuchadnezzar knew that Daniel would not bow to his image. I mean, I'm just, this is the guess, okay? We're not told. He wouldn't bow to Nebuchadnezzar's image, so Nebuchadnezzar sent him away to do, some kind of, to do something else, um, and, and that's why we, I think we don't see Daniel. I definitely don't think Daniel was here during chapter 3. The other thing is that the time has, has uh, gone by. Um, I think uh, I read one commentary. Uh, by the time you get to chapter 3, between chapter 1 and chapter 3, about 17 years have passed. Uh, so, you know, so there's that. And, um, and you have these Chaldeans, and the Chaldeans are these astrologers. And we're told in the passage that they, uh, in verse 8, at a certain time, Chaldeans, astrologers, came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. Maliciously accused the Jews. They wanted to get, uh, they wanted to get all the Jews in trouble, but there are three in particular that they didn't care for, and that was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so they maliciously accused them. Accused them of what? Not bowing to the image. And, uh, and so as we move through the chapter, uh, we learn that, Nebuch well, they told Nebuchadnezzar about it. They said, O king, live forever. <laughs> you know, buttering them up a little bit. And uh, hey, uh, you have these guys who are not, you know, they're leaders in your government. You set them up in authority and they won't bow to your image. Nebuchadnezzar, we learn, is furious in fact, verse 13, in a furious rage. Um, you know, one of the things that, that you can appreciate about, appreciate about Nebuchadnezzar is that when he's in, he's all in. Like, he just dives right on in. And at this point, he's, like, he's in a furious rage. He commanded uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to appear before him. And they said, look, uh, we're going to gather the worship team together again. They're going to start playing, and uh, you can bow down to this image. And they refused to do so. And their answer to the king well, and, and Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't, you are going into the fiery furnace. And their answer was, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. 
But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I don't think they were being disrespectful. I think they were being truthfully honest. And uh, truthfully honest, that makes a lot of sense. They were being lovingly truthful. How's that one? Um, <laughs> how can you be truthfully honest? It just, anyway, uh, so they did that, and then they were thrown into the fire. That's Daniel chapter 3. And so I just want to unpack, uh, unpack this uh, for you in the quickest way I can. So the first, I have four, four things that we learn from this chapter I'm going to breeze through the first two and spend most of our time in the second two, but the, the first is that the spirit of Babylon demands our allegiance. Now, I, there's a quote from an, architect, a, an architectural critic. I didn't even know they existed until I started working on my sermon, but um, they exist, and he said something that I think makes Nebuchadnezzar's statue make a little more sense. He said, every building is a new piece of evolving metropolis, an unflinching record of who we are and what we do. It connects us in time and space to those who went before us, even as it represents our legacy to those who come after. So what was he doing? He was making a name for himself. Genesis chapter 11, you know what happened, right? A group of people came together, and what did they build? The Tower of Babel, right? We get the name Babylon from it. And why did they create this tower? To make a name for themselves. Anytime, God, anytime people come together with a, a desire to make a name for themselves, to, to, for, to spread the renown of their fame, you've got, you've got problems. And so that's what Nebuchadnezzar did. And, and so the first point is that the spirit of Babylon demands our allegiance. So if you're tracking, if you're, if you're new here, uh, what I've been talking about is that there's a spirit of Babylon, so it's not just the empire of Babylon, but there's a spirit of Babylon uh, that, that at the heart of it, and this is why Babylon will ever be associated with this, is the desire associated with the desire of mankind to want to dethrone God. So Babylon is forever in the Bible associated with man's desire to dethrone God. And so the spirit of Babylon demands our allegiance. What's interesting is that the spirit of Babylon that that exists today in our world is okay with you worshiping whoever you want to worship just so long as you do not exclusively worship the God of all creation. So we see it. We see it in bumper stickers. Bumper stickers. I said stinkers. They are uh, stickers, uh, like the one that says "coexist," right? Uh, you hear it in songs, like the one sung by John Lennon. Imagine. Um, and some of you are like, "Don't go there." I just did. Uh, <laughs> so, I, and so the spirit of Babylon demands our allegiance. It demands our allegiance. It demanded the allegiance of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and it demands our allegiance. And, and so why, why would Nebuchadnezzar erect a giant statue that's 90 foot tall, 9 foot wide, uh, covered with gold? Uh, it's the same reason why we create idols in our own hearts. And, and it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. I'd like for us to read this together. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
You want to know why the world behaves the way it behaves? It's because the God of this world has blinded their eyes. So Nebuchadnezzar built this 90-foot gold statue, even though he had a dream in chapter 2 that his kingdom would be succeeded by another kingdom, and then another kingdom after that, and then another kingdom after that, which was Rome, and then God would send his son, and he would uh, set up his kingdom and demolish all the other kingdoms. But you want to know why Babylon demands our allegiance? You want to know why the response of the spirit of Babylon, the response of, the, uh, of governments and, and tyrants is rage when the people of God say, we cannot worship your gods? Because they, they hate God. If you read uh, Psalm chapter 2, what you'll discover is that, in fact, it says, that, that why, it asks the question, why do the nations gather? Why do they rage and, and basically you know, are opposed or set, set up or you know, basically gather for war against the anointed, against God? Why, why do they do that? Because they hate God. The heart of, of every single human being born into this world is a desire to dethrone God. You see it in the Garden of Eden, and you see it all through human history. Jesus said, don't, don't be surprised if the world hates you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I don't think were surprised that everybody around them hated them because of the God that they worship. Jesus said in John 15, he said, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. And if you are of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So the spirit of Babylon demands our allegiance. The second thing is that the spirit of Babylon expects our worship. It expects our worship. It expects us to bow down to it in submission to it. The word worship is repeated 11 times in chapter 3 in relationship to to this statue. The spirit of Babylon demands our worship. Like I said, it's okay if you worship other gods, but it wants you to also worship it too, to worship culture, to worship this world, to set up anything that, 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 that you value above God, to find your satisfaction in anything else other than God. The Bible calls that idolatry. And so... Nebuchadnezzar had his, his uh, preacher, his evangelist, called a herald, proclaim to the thousands that were gathered. And what I mean by thousands is I, did, I, I was doing some research, and it is estimated that about 200,000 people lived in Babylon uh, in that day. And so they gathered everybody. Everybody was, was uh, ordered to gather around this statue. So you... <laughs> So at least 200,000, maybe more. I'm going to just say 200,000. So you had 197,000 people bowing down to worship a big giant statue made of gold in honor of King Nebuchadnezzar. And he said, everyone is commanded. When the, when the worship team comes out on stage and they play their, their music and, and they got it, I was going to say smoking lights, but I won't because um, I just did. So when, when they do that, you bow down and you worship the statue. Worship it. And the only people who would not worship it were these three guys. Um, you know, if you don't think this happens today, it still happens today. This is North Korea. 
This, there are hymn books, there are songs written in honor of Kim Jong and Kim, Kim Sung, his, his dead father, um, that people sing about their leader. And when they come before the statue, the various statues that pepper uh, the, the, the country, this is what they do. They worship it. It's still happening today. In America, we just, we just, it's just a different dress. And, um, and here's what we learn about idols in the Bible. Idols always promise you what they cannot deliver. They promise you life, they promise you joy, they promise you satisfaction, they promise you fame, and they, can, and they cannot deliver. And here's the other thing about idols, ready? Every idol, the promises that every idol makes, every god outside of the, 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 who's not the true god, every idol makes promises that are predicated on their devotees fulfilling. Does that make sense? So, I pro- you know, the idols say, I promise you this, but it's up to you to make those promises a reality. Every idol, name one, Muhammad or Islam, Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses, every idol makes promises that they cannot keep that are predicated on your ability to make those promises a reality, except there's only one God. One God who says, all the promises I make, you are unable to make happen. It are predicated on me, God, on God fulfilling. Um, that's why 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says this, and let's read this together. For all the promises of God find their yes in him, and the him is Jesus. All the promises of God find their yes and their amen in Jesus. And so my guess is that Nebuchadnezzar, he knew that Daniel would not bow to this image because he had a a pretty close relationship with Daniel. So my guess is he sent Daniel away somewhere, um, but, but he didn't assume the same thing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He thought Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would also bow to this image, and they, and they did not. They did not bow. And, and so this leads me to my, my, the third point, and that is the spirit of Babylon does not have the allegiance of God's people. I mean, that's the statement all through the Bible, that if you are a follower of Jesus, then by default you cannot align your allegiance with the spirit of Babylon or this world. Uh, I mean, that's why Jesus said, there will be those who will stand before me who will say, Lord, I did this in your name, I did this in your name, I did this in your name, and I will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. Just because you show up on Sunday and read the Bible and say a prayer does not mean that you know Jesus. Uh, the evidence that you know Jesus is that you have a love for God. Period. If you do not love God, you do not know Jesus. And the evidence of that love, which I believe is supernatural, and I'll talk about this later in the message, but that, that, God, that God does something in our hearts that enables us to love him as we ought to love him, uh, the evidence of that is, is a changing life. Not a perfect life, a changing life. The spirit of Babylon does not have the allegiance of the people of God. 
I can't imagine the peer pressure that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego experienced. How many of you have been to a football game? Like, not, you know, like, well, I mean, college, I guess, but like an NFL football game, right? How many of you went to an NFL game and wore the opposing team's jersey, right? Doesn't it feel a little awkward? I mean, football fans get nuts sometimes. So I, the one that I went to, was I, I, it was a couple years ago, not a couple, I forget how many years ago, but it was when uh, the Eagles faced the Denver Broncos in, in Denver. And it was the one where the Eagles got squished. I mean, they just totally got defeated. Uh, but I, 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 it was the only one, the only game that I went to, and I, somebody in the church that I was pastoring uh, basically sold me his uh, ticket at cost. So I went as a birthday gift with him, with him. We went together. I wore my Eagles jersey. And uh, it felt a little weird. It felt a little awkward. I, I felt like, ah, I'm sticking out like a sore thumb. There are nobody, there's nobody here. In fact, my cousin, who's a magician, he travels the world as a magician, um, Michael, he, he, he's in Pennsylvania, diehard Eagles fan, uh, even got to wear one of the Super Bowl rings, and, and um, he knows a lot of famous magicians. Uh, but, but, he, but he travels to every Eagles game, and he, and he decks himself out in Eagles. You know, so I knew he was there. I, feel, I saw him on Facebook. He posted something. I'm, at, I'm in Colorado. I'm like, wow, I feel, I feel better that I'm not the only Eagles fan here. I remember driving home. Well, we took the bus home, and uh, while on the bus, somebody, somebody in the bus stood up and said, there better not be any Eagles, fan on, Eagles fans on the bus. So my, my, my Philadelphia roots were like, no. So I just, before I even thought about it, it just came out of my mouth. I said, well, I'm an Eagles fan, and, um, and it just got awkward after that. So, but. <laughs> 197,000 people bowing down to an image, and only three stood up, refused to bow. They were standing. I don't think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's heart rate was like a comfortable 50 beats or 60 beats or 70 beats per minute. I think it spiked. You know, like I, I think I, you know, it's kind of like when you're in a plane and the turbulence gets really, really bad. And the and I've never experienced this, but but imagine the the oxygen mask dropping down. That rate of heart rate is, I think, where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's heart rate went to. I don't think it was easy for them to stand up. Here's the other thing. Like, how, how, e or how hard is it to find three people in the midst of 197,000 people? Pretty hard. They could have hid. They could have just said, they could have called in sick that day. <laughs> or, or whatever. But uh, they showed up. They showed up. And uh, they were determined to, I mean, they, they knew they would stand instead of bow. They knew what the consequences were. They knew that they would die. This is happening still in, today's, in, in our world today. Pastor uh, Li is a pastor in, in China. And uh, this is the church that he was a pastor at. And this just popped up this week on my uh, on my newsfeed through uh, Voice of the Martyrs. If you don't know who Voice of the Martyrs is, Google them, sign up. They post prayer requests for the suffering church. This is what they said. I'm just going to read to you the prayer request. Pastor Lee's church, the uh, Yan Yang Chir uh, County Central House Church, was established as a government-approved three-self church 
but in 2013 gave up the status and merged with a local house church. Typically, 700 to 800 people attended services there weekly, and it was the largest house church in the area. When the government began oppressing house churches in 2018, they required the, the, the house church to change a sign reading, Love God and People to Love Country. They also told the church that they must remove the cross on the steeple. The church refused to comply, and on February 20th, 2019, Pastor Lee was arrested along with three others for obstructing government administration. The others were released. Pastor Lee remained in detention. In 2021, in January 2021, officials finally handed down the five-and-a-half-year sentence to Pastor Lee. After pastor, the pastor's arrest, the cross atop the church was forcibly removed and the Christian sign was replaced. Continue to pray for Christians in China who are following their conscience rather than the government. That's happening today. And um, Nebuchadnezzar said, if you don't bow down, you will die. And um, if you worship the statue, you will live. And I don't think Shadrach, I mean, for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it wasn't, I mean, there was no debate. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar drew the line in the sand, and it, these three men could not bow down to this image. And that was their answer. We don't need to give you an answer in this matter. You, you, you already know. You know about the God that we worship. And this is what I find interesting about their statement. They say, they said, um, Nebuchadnezzar, you, you, just, you say that nobody, will, no God will be able to deliver us out of your hands. That's verse 15. But we say that our God can. We know he can. We're confident that he can. But if he chooses not to, it doesn't change a thing. If not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. There's an important lesson in this. Is, it's awesome. It's an awesome thing when you get to experience God heal your marriage. It's an awesome experience when you get to experience God heal you physically. Like I shared my story with you. He healed me physically. It's an awesome experience when, when God miraculously intervenes and does something crazy in your life that the only explanation you have is God did it. But that doesn't guarantee that he's always going to do that. And when he chooses not to heal you of your cancer and when he chooses not to restore your marriage, nothing has changed. God is still God. And he reigns and he rules. And, but, but here's what remains steady. Here is, here is the reality that uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were convinced of and experienced is that God is for his people, not against his people. He goes with his people into the fire. He doesn't abandon them in the fire, even though that might end with you dying. That's why Jesus said what he said, and I quoted this a number of times. He said, some of you they will kill, but not a hair on your head will what? Perish. God's, uh, Daniel's friends had a God-sized problem that they understood only God could fix. That's why they answered Nebuchadnezzar the way they answered him. They could not worship the golden statue. And, um, and so... So what did Nebuchadnezzar do? He threw him into the fire. 
James chapter 4, verse 4 has a warning for us. And it was written to the church. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity with God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. What, it, what that passage means, what James means there is, you cannot worship the world and worship God. There are no turncoats for Jesus. It, it, you know what a turncoat was, right? In the, in the American Revolution, they had, some people had jackets where you can just turn it inside out and wear the colors uh, that represented the British. Right? If, you, if, if it wasn't going your way, just jump onto the other team. Um, there are no turncoats for Jesus. And James chapter 4 tells us that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the reason why they didn't worship the idol is because they couldn't. The reason why they didn't worship the big statue is because they were in love with the God of all creation. Which leads me to the, the fourth point, is that, and it's this, that the spirit of Babylon cannot destroy the people of God. The spirit of Babylon cannot destroy the people of God. Well, what do I mean? Exactly what Jesus meant. You might die, but you will not be condemned. You might die, but your life's the only beginning. And, uh, and like Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, like, like I said, when he, <laughs> we'll see this in chapter 4, but when, it, when he's in, he's all in, right? Because the furnace, most likely, we Googled, what is the melting point of gold? Because the furnace most likely was used to melt down the gold that covered the statue, right? The 90-foot the statue. The melting point of gold is 1,948 degrees Fahrenheit. That's hot. Like, I don't know how hot a fire pit gets, but not that hot. And I, I, and I was just thinking, well, if that's correct, 1,948 degrees Fahrenheit is enough to kill you. Why do you need to turn it up seven times? <laughs> right? Nebuchadnezzar's like, that's not enough. Like, I'm so angry, I'm going to turn this thing up seven times the, the, the current temperature, which was 3,600 and, yeah, 3,636 3, degrees Fahrenheit. That's hot. But it was, like, 1,000 degrees will kill you, uh, which goes into the rationale of, Nebuch of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar's actions seem irrational because why? Sin is irrational. It makes no sense. It makes no sense at all. The idea and the belief that, that, if, that I can go against what the Word of God says, I can sin, and to believe that by sinning I'm going to experience a greater joy than the one that God has reserved for me is irrational. Like, to to say that, or to think that I can have, I can enjoy sex outside of the context of a marriage between a man and a woman in a covenant relationship, and experience a level of joy that I can't experience if I were to wait and enter into a covenant relationship with a person I was madly in love with, makes no sense especially in light of the fact that, that God is the one who designed sex. That, that's, that, 
Sin is idolatry. That's why sin is idolatry, because it is the belief that I can enjoy more, I can have more joy and, 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 and enjoy more um, contentment by going against God, by, t- by choosing something for my happiness above God. We do that with people, we do that with things, we do that with work, we do that with toys. And it makes no sense. So when we're looking at Nebuchadnezzar, we're thinking, wow, he, it, it, that's crazy. Like, well, why would he do that? Because sin is irrational. It's irrational. And, and here's the other thing. As we read this story, we, if, if we collectively think that this, when, as we read this story, that, that we are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or that we are Daniel in this story, we've missed the point. Do you know who we are in this story? We're Nebuchadnezzar. Our hearts are idol factories. We have a propensity and a, a, and a tendency to, to, to take even good things and make them ultimate things. David Helm said this in his, in his comments on this passage, and I, I find them helpful. He said, and the words will not be on the screen. I'll just read them. He said, it is all too easy for us to stand outside this story in judgment over Nebuchadnezzar. And if we place ourselves in the story, we risk doing so in the wrong way. Our tendency is to identify with the three friends of Daniel, those courageous young men who resisted the call to worship anything other than God. Yet, if we are honest, we, will, we, we all should primarily identify with the condition of the king. For as with him, the architecture of our own soul rises to the heavens in self-adulation, and if given our way, we too are tempted to call upon everyone within earshot to pay respect to our deeds." called pride. <laughs> and so the story is, the, the, the miracle here is one that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood when I'm sure they were tempted to bow. 